Thank you, Sizemores. What a beautiful, beautiful piece. Well, I'm Jamie Mackey. I'm the minister to students and families around here. And, and whether you know this or not, today is an unofficial, official holiday for churches all across our country. It is National Youth Minister Preach Sunday. <laughs> In all honesty, we're, we're glad Travis has got some time with his family, and uh, they have had everyone converge to their house, and they are, they are enjoying lots of noise and lots of activity, and we're thankful for that. If you're a child in the room or a student in the room, I have a question for you. Where is it that you love to play most? Whether it's a toy or whether it's a pickup game, where is that spot? What is that thing that you most like to do? Now, if you're an adult in the room, where was that place when you were that child or that student, that teenager? For me, I grew up, uh, I grew up on College Street in Center, Alabama. And on College Street were several friends on that street or a street over. And on any given afternoon after school or on break, you could find Lance, Scott, my brother, the guys a couple houses down, or myself playing basketball in one of our driveways, or football in one of our yards, or wiffle ball when the, when the weather got more towards baseball season. And we would play hard, and we would play long, and we would play just until dark when it was time to jump on our bicycles to get home in time for supper. What happens on a street says a lot about a town. I've gotten where I like to run a little bit. Now, if, if you're, please know I'm not fast. And uh, if you're a cross-country runner in the room, you can probably cut my time in half to two-thirds, probably. But I, I do. It's something, it's, it's, it's refreshing, and many times I'll actually... I'll drop Story off at Swim, and I'll park here at the church. I'll hit Lowry and head on a route that I've made downtown. And often, I will find myself on William Street at some point or another in my route. And I, when I'm there, I realize that I'm, I'm really in the heart of everything for Huntsville. Big Spring Park is right around the corner or on some parts of it. The Courthouse Square is not too far away. Constitution Village is close. And when there, I often will think, well, you know, my family or our students have done much in this area. We have ridden bikes with the mayor in that area. We've, we've played ultimate Frisbee in the park. Uh, we've sat on Williams for parades. I've even run the Cotton Road 10K there. Again, I was very slow on it, but I did it. You know, William Street screams life for our city. At almost any time, you'll find generations upon generations gathered up, up, up and down William Street for some activity or another. A city street speaks to who a city is. And our streets tell us a lot about who we are and what our identity is. Have you ever seen a vision? Have you ever experienced one? You know, a time when you're able to look into the future and see a vastly different image than what the current reality is? Near the end of the Old Testament, a vision is recorded by the prophet Zechariah, and we just heard it a few minutes ago by Anne and Peter. Life had not been easy for the people of Judea and Israel. Outside forces from other countries had come in, took over, and decimated their land. The center for their country 
and their faith was the city of Jerusalem and it too was destroyed and would need to be rebuilt. Inside the city was the temple and along with the city it was also put to ruins. Because of this situation, the city streets were dire. It wasn't a place of gathering or playing. God seemed absent and gone. The, seat, the streets were sadly quiet. You may be a fan of the various Batman movies. I am. I like the different ones. Um, and if you, if you are, you know that the city of Gotham is rough. It has layers of filth. It has layers of corruption and brokenness all throughout its city. And for some reason, I connect the city of Jerusalem at this point in its history that we have heard about, that we've read, to the city of Gotham. Both were at a really hard spot and were, and were hard places to be. Gotham needed Batman and Jerusalem needed hope. Truth be told, the Jewish people then did not take good care of their streets. Their lack of trust in God is seen in the ways that they treated one another. And it built up over generations and generations. They became susceptible to attacks. And attacks took place. Countries like Babylon came in and decimated their land. Israel and Judea suffered. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 1 verse 21 spoke to how Jerusalem had lost its identity as the faithful city, a place of justice and righteousness to become an unfaithful city, a place of injustice and unrighteousness. Simply put, Isaiah said that Jerusalem had become a harlot. Some of the people were taken away into what we now know as the exile. Many years had passed from that time. Now some of the people were beginning to come back home. They were re beginning to return back to the place they called home. And they found Jerusalem in ruins, both its physical state and its spiritual, emotional state. If the city and the people were to experience a future, a lot of work would need to be done. And into this condition, into this dire situation, God speaks. I said a vision is the ability to see a future day in a vastly different way. In biblical times, a prophet receives a vision from God and then has the responsibility to relay that vision to his or her community. Here in our passage, God does speak. And Zechariah receives and relays this message to the people of a future day here on earth. And it's a good day. It's a good day. Verse 3 talks about how God is, is going to dwell in Jerusalem and return to Zion. And Zion was where God dwelled. The Jewish people referred to it as the mountain of God. Now, if you're an Alabama fan, you may consider, consider Bryant-Denny Stadium as Zion for us today, or Jordan-Hare if you're an Auburn fan. We won't talk about yesterday for you all that much. But, uh, you know, it's those kind of places. Now, for the, the Christ follower, 
we can probably all agree that Zion would be where we, we call our heart and our life the place of Zion where God, the Holy Spirit dwells, the Spirit of God dwells within us. Now, all who heard this message from Zechariah, their ears would have probably immediately perked up. It would have been a message that they wanted to hear because all they had known to this point for years and years were quiet streets because they were disconnected from God. Now, God says that the city is again finding its place. The city is again finding its identity. The city is, is going to be a place of belonging for God to dwell. And with this comes transformation. The city streets will come alive. They will be safe. The communities will open its doors and bring out their chairs. It says men and women of ripe old age will walk out with their canes and their staffs to sit, to talk, and maybe even play pickleball. Who knows, right? And the children will play in the streets. The streets will be full of energy and life. The city will be transformed from curses to blessing. Back to my running route. As I'm on William Street, one of my favorite spots is where William Street connects with Fountain Circle. It's right around the corner from the Early Works Children's Museum entrance. There's a splash pad you can take your children to on a hot summer afternoon. But right at the corner of that street are statues of children playing and hopping over one of one another. It is a delightful scene. If you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, go right after service up over to William Street and look at the statues. It's got some shrubs around it. But this scene about early works depicts to me a time of innocence and freedom to fully be alive in the moment. And that same feeling is what I get out of this scene that Zechariah describes in his vision. A future day with a city renewed is given. The streets are safe and they are fun. They are a place of gathering for the people. Such a vision, even a good vision, can be too much for some people. Naysayers, you know, the people who will criticize and oppose something or everything, these people emerge. And this is where we read in verse 6. Verse 6 speaks to the remnant back in Jerusalem. And a remnant is a small group. One, as one writer said, is a pitiful little group who stayed faithful. But now this group sees the condition of Jerusalem and that the, the future seems overwhelming. The future seems daunting to them. How will these streets ever be safe again for people to come out to sit and to play? And here is, here's where verse 6 is confusing, depending on the translation that we read. We read earlier the New International Version, and it says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. What may seem marvelous to the remnant of this people at that time, but will it seem marvelous to me, declares the Lord Almighty. A better translation for us to read is the New Revised Standard for this verse. Thus says the Lord of hosts, even though it seems impossible to the remnant of, of this people these days, should it also seem impossible to me, says the Lord. Let me read that again. Even though it seems impossible to the remnant of this people in these days, 
should it seem impossible to me, says the Lord. And at this point, God again speaks, I will save my people. What is impossible in our eyes is possible for God. That was true then, it is still true for us today. And with this truth statement, God reaffirms the covenant with his people. They will be my people, and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. Transformation, renewal, the rebuilding of the streets is possible when the relationships are intact. God promises that the covenant is restored. The relationship is right. The people have belonging in the compassionate hands of God. God will be faithful and righteous, God says, to them and with them. The covenant is all about relationship, a relationship between God and his people. And within such a relationship is trust, and there's also a give and take. These words, they will be my people and I will be their God, has been a repeated formula for this covenant between God and the Jewish people, the Israelites, ever since their days of coming out of Egypt. These words speak identity, they speak belonging, which speaks relationship. And God's purpose is relationship. But this can be a strange concept for many. If we're honest, we would probably prefer to keep God at a distance from us. It feels safer that way. Over the past 20 years, there's been some good research between, on teenagers and their faith. And since I'm a youth minister, I've been very interested in, in reading about this study. And I love students, and I want to try to keep up, keep up with them as best as possible. Kenda Creasy Dean writes some of the best stuff on it in her book, Almost Christian that teenagers equate Christian identity to niceness. She quotes a 16-year-old student named Dana. Being religious or spiritual means doing the right thing and acting right and doing nice things and helping other people out. Being nice, beyond being nice, faith for many is about meeting my needs or making me happy. Kenda Dean at this point says that we have missed the mark, that faith is more than that. Faith is to bend my life into a pattern of love and obedience to God. And that kind of a faith describes a covenant-based relationship, a covenant-based relationship with God where my, my life and where our lives are being bent into a pattern of love and obedience to God. Such a life is transformed within that relationship with God. We go from a self-focused world of what's in it for me to one that looks beyond ourselves. We come to desire a life that is based on Jesus's words. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must also love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Through living in the covenant with God, our entire lives can change. We view things differently. 
We begin to see things as God sees. And that is Zechariah's vision, to see the streets of Jerusalem differently. With it, our perspectives can change as well. And this leads us to verse 13. And we can assume from this passage that the remnant understood themselves as a recipient of curses from other countries. It says this, just as you, Judah and Israel, have been objects of cursing among the nations. They viewed their lives as a series of hurts over and over and over again. But at this point, God wants to put an end to such a self-definition. And again, God says these words, I will save you. God initiates. God is the initiator and the one who is able to bring salvation. Christmas was just a few days ago. Just the last week, we lit the Christ candle. We celebrated God's initiative, as Scripture said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God is always the one who saves. God is always that one. And the amazing thing is that once we've experienced God's salvation, we are then invited to join the work, the work of Christmas that we just heard earlier in the song. Zechariah 8.13, then it turns the narrative in that last verse that we heard. As you have become objects of cursing, so I will save you and you will be a blessing. Did you hear the turn in the narrative? As you have been objects of cursing, I will save you and you will be a blessing. The outlook and the purpose change. The people become a blessing. So as we find ourselves at the end of one year and at the beginning of the next, we may ask, what do we do with this passage? Is there a word for me? And I think, yes. However this year has been for you, God wants us to experience the goodness of his faithfulness and his righteousness. And just as, as a little group returning to Jerusalem may have felt the weight of the past, how life had not gone their way, they may even, may, maybe even felt that they had been cursed by other nations around them. God has a different direction for them, a different day, a new and rebuilt city for their future. They will not be objects of cursing, but rather a blessing. Scripture tells us you will be a blessing. They are called to a renewed or a totally new mentality. They will be a blessing. Terms we may use today would be you will be an influencer or you will be a game changer. What would it be like for us to receive this same message? What would it be like for us to look into 2024 and not think, oh, it'll be the same old, same old stuff. It will not, nothing will ever change. The next year will be the same stuff that I've always experienced, the same old stuff. Rather, what if we begin to see a vision that God has for our city of Huntsville and our, and our region of North Alabama to be a place where God dwells. Near the end of the Bible in Revelation 7 verse 9, we receive a similar image and vision. 
There's a great multitude beyond anything a census could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. And this multitude is gathering in the streets to sit, to talk, to laugh, to share, and to play. Can we see this vision? Can we begin to grasp it? Verse 13 ends with this. Do not be afraid, but let your hands be strong. This vision ends with an invitation. Well, actually, it's not an invitation. It's a calling. It's a calling to be involved. It's a calling to be a game changer and influencer of good in our streets and in our city. We are called to be an influencer of good to our neighbors and to all those that are around us. We have a family friend. She's a local elementary school teacher in one of our Huntsville City Schools. And just a couple weeks ago, she made a social media post. And this post speaks to how she was not afraid and her hands were strong. And a little bit of a background is that her school, where she has been a teacher for a number of years, just received a, the overall score of an A on the state report card, which was a big deal. And she begins her post quoting Jesus in John chapter 17. As you have sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world. And then she writes, God laid this verse on my heart this weekend through our precious pastor. Now she's a member of a sister church, so she's not calling pra Travis precious. We can think that, but different, different pastor. His message made me realize that the post below is the result of doing his will instead of my own, even though sometimes it is really, really hard. This A is much more than a state report card score. This is proof that any child can learn when surrounded by the right support group, not just teachers, but classmates, PTA, administrators, parents, volunteers, school staff, and friends. And this is the part I want us to zero in on. Several years ago, our school went through some major changes and it was hard. All caps, bold print, hard. But as he, God, has shown so many times, the Lord is faithful and good. He kept me at the school because he knew that this change would help me grow as a teacher, as a coworker, a learner, and Christian. A world of thanks to all the people that have made our school such a sweet place that it is. Now this friend of ours, she had opportunity and encouragement from people to go teach somewhere else. She could have left and gone to somewhere where it could have been easier, but she hung in there and she, she stayed strong and she grew through it and she was a blessing. So how can we do this? How can we see the vision that Zechariah gives as an invitation, as a calling to be involved? One, we can look inward. We probably should do some internal work for our life. Is my life a place where God is allowed to dwell? Will I acknowledge that I have a greater need for God in my life? It is God who does the transforming work. Do I need to open myself up to God's faithfulness and righteousness for my life?
Two, we need to open our eyes to the various needs around us. God tells us to not be afraid and for our hands to be strong. Change and rebuilding take work. It takes effort. It takes time and it takes energy. And it takes an us and not just a me. These words were for all the people then in Jerusalem and Judea and Israel. And I think it also starts with, it is also for us. It may only start with a small remnant, but God is able to make the impossible possible. Maybe, maybe we need to befriend a person on our street or in our neighborhood or on our team or in our classroom or in our workspace. Maybe we need to take the time to volunteer in our local nearest school. What can we do to create a place where people can come out and sit and they can share and they can laugh and they can play together? Three, do not be afraid. And these were God's, these were God's words to the people then and I think they are also true and they are words for us today. Don't let fear keep us from getting outside and bringing change to our streets. Don't let fear be something that keeps us inside or, or the rhetoric of others cause us to have fear to stay inside. Don't be afraid because we are Christ followers. If we proclaim the name of Jesus, if we believe that he is Lord for our lives, if we believe that he has died on the cross, he has risen from the grave, and he will come back again one day, we have the spirit of the living God living within us. Over and over and over again in scripture it says, do not be afraid. Here in this passage, before God speaks through Zechariah for our hands to be strong, he first says, do not be afraid. We have the spirit of God within us. So let us make a commitment into this next year to embrace our streets without fear, to allow our hands to be strong and to be an influencer for Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me?